Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. that uh, 
you all out there were singing the wrong verse. <laughs> I apologize. I, 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 <laughs> I had a different version. <laughs> supposed to sing the third, uh, the third verse, and I sang the second. So I apologize. That, that confused you there. We got to thinking about I'm singing the Spanish version. <laughs> but I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Joel. The book of Joel, as we, uh, we should be uh, ending our study here in the book of Joel. We're in the uh, third chapter. We're going to look at the, the last section of, uh, of Joel. And a couple of things that we talked about last Sunday is the fact that the next event in the life of the church is the, the rapture of the church. And there are many... There are many denominations and there are many people who call themselves Christians who um, they, they reject the idea of the, the rapture or the translation of the church, the taking out of the church. And then for those who do accept the fact of, of the rapture, there are many different positions before, in the middle of, or after the tribulation period. And we looked at a passage in the book of Revelation last week in the third chapter where the Lord speaking to his church and we believe that we are are within that that group that church that he would keep us from the hour of trial that will try the entire world a time of tribulation such as never was from the beginning of time nor ever shall be again and so we believe that the Lord is going to to take us out before that time, referred to in the Bible as the Great Tribulation or the Tribulation Period. It's also referred to as, as Jacob's Trouble. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, refers to that period of time as Jacob's Trouble. And the reason that it's referred to as Jacob's Trouble, it is a time during which Israel will also pass through judgment. Not only the rest of the nations of the world, but also Israel, because of its rejection, its continual rejection of Christ. But, in the end, the nation of Israel will be converted and will accept the Lord as Savior. And so, and uh, are we on the second slide, Mike? We'll yeah. go to the second slide. We looked at, at some of this. Now, we're going to look at uh, B here, the gathering of nations for judgment. We talked about this idea that, that the nations are preparing for war. But the call goes out from Joel to the people of his time and also to the future to prepare for war. Because war is coming. Now, we all see peace and, 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 and that's a good thing. It's a positive thing. We should seek peace. But remember that there will be no lasting or eternal peace until the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, returns. And yet, lasting and eternal peace is a long way off. A long way off. Because before this gathering of the nations occurs, as we've mentioned, the, 
the church will be taken out of the world. Some time will pass, and we don't know how long. Only the Lord knows the exact timetable. But that tribulation period will begin upon the earth. And it's going to last for seven years. But the worst of it will occur during the last three and a half years. You see, because during this period of time, Israel is going to rebuild the temple. They're going to reinstitute their worship in the temple. But this coalition of nations is going to gather. And their goal, their goal is the destruction of Israel. Now, they're going to also be headed up by a world leader. And you read of this leader throughout the scripture. The apostle John referred to him as the Antichrist. In the book of Revelation, he's referred to as a beast, because that is what he is. And he's also given power by the dragon. Now, who's this dragon? The dragon is none other than Satan himself. So when you read that over in the book of Revelation, Satan gives to the beast, to the Antichrist, to this world leader. Beware, beware, of political leaders who are really smooth talkers. Their goal, right, is, is never to offend. And, and as Christians, we shouldn't seek to offend people. But I guarantee you, when you tell the truth, people are going to be offended. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be harsh, but when you actually preach and teach the truth, the unbeliever, or the person who rejects God, sees it as harsh. Now, how do you tell someone, if you don't accept Christ, you're going to spend eternity in hell without that sounding harsh? You can say it as softly and as, as nicely as you possibly can. But tell someone that they're a sinner. <laughs> right? Have you seen the reaction of some people when you, when you point out the fact that, that they're a sinner? Well, who do you think you are? What makes you think that you're so good? That's usually their response. That you're going to go to heaven? Right? But we all know that we're sinners. And that we go to heaven by God's grace. Not because there's any goodness in us. Any goodness that we have in us is goodness, the goodness of God. His presence in our lives. And the person of the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit who lives and dwells within us. Even when they came and they, and they referred to Jesus and they, and they said, good master, he himself would immediately point to the Father. Only the Father is good. But beware of those smooth-talking politicians. And sadly, so many Christians are deceived by them. Because they like them. They like them because they, they speak so nicely. All the while, wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Beware. Beware. Because that is what the Antichrist is. And he's empowered by none other than Satan himself. And he will rise and become the world leader. And his goal is the goal of Satan himself. 
to destroy Israel. That is in the future. And as a result, these nations, these nations begin to plan their attack against Israel. But the Antichrist is a deceiver, so what does he do? He enters into a pact of peace with Israel. And Israel believes that this guy is, is actually on their side. But halfway through this seven-year period, his real face is made known. And there's this other guy. There's this other beast. He's referred to as the false prophet, a religious leader who becomes a world-renowned leader in the religious community. And what does he do? He leads people. He deceives the nations to follow the Antichrist. As Christians, we're to follow the Lord Jesus. And anything that disagrees with the scripture is demonic. Any religion, any teaching, any philosophy, any position, any politician that would teach anything that is inconsistent with the scripture is being led of the evil. Make no mistake about it. Time is coming, and Christians are to sound the alarm. And so what happens? At the end of this, the end of this seven-year period, see, because now even Israel rebels, because they now recognize that this Antichrist was deceiving them all along, because he seeks now to to be worshipped. He goes into the temple and requires people to worship him. And of course at that, Israel realizes that they've been duped. But also during this period of time, there's a special group of Jewish men. 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, 144,000. And they proclaim the message of the gospel. And they're preaching and they're teaching. And, and the Jewish people, by the thousands and the tens of thousands, are coming to know the Lord as their Savior. They're accepting Him as Lord and Savior. And these nations come up against Israel at the end of the seven-year period. And they make war with Israel. And for a time, it looks as though Israel is just going to be completely wiped out. But let's take a look and see what the scripture says. We're going to turn to the book of, of Revelation. You'll turn there with me, and we'll read some passages. So turn to turn to chapter 19. I'm getting all my notes here. I'm falling all apart here. 
chapter 19 in the book of, of uh, Revelation. Now notice, in Revelation 19, and verse 11, it says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one except that no one knew except he himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, To all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. And who is in this, this army that comes with the Lord? You see, at the end of this seven-year period, when it looks like Israel is going to be destroyed, Jesus returns. That is the second coming, referred to as the second advent of the Lord. The Lord comes and he destroys those nations. They are destroyed. And the beast that is the Antichrist and the false prophet, this, this false religious leader, they're both taken and they're cast into the lake of fire. But in this same chapter, look at verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Who is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church. The church has been taken up into heaven before this event occurs down here on the earth. Do you see that? The church is already in heaven. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And who are called saints in the scripture? Those who know the Lord. Those who have the Lord living 
in them. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do it. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Jesus is the one that we are to worship. And Jesus will come back, and he will deliver the nation of Israel. And the nations will be destroyed. Now let's go back to the uh, book of Psalms. Psalm 2. Psalm 2. So important for Christians to know the Old Testament. Psalm 2. Why did the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together, notice, against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. And who is that that sits in the heavens? God himself. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet have I set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those, are all those who put their trust in him. Notice that the kings of the earth, they set themselves against the Lord and against his Holy One, the Messiah, the Deliverer. Beside him there is no other Deliverer. And all through the Old Testament, Jesus is described, the Messiah is described. He's described as both a suffering servant and as a conquering king. But the Jewish people at the time that Jesus came, the first, his first advent, when he came into the world, they were under Roman oppression and they wanted a conquering king. They wanted someone like David to throw off the shackles of oppression. And to bring back the glory to Israel. But Jesus came as a suffering servant. And here, the religious leaders were so mistaken because oftentimes what they would do is they would, they would interpret the passages that refer to the Son, the Son being Israel, and not specifically to Jesus, not specifically to the Messiah. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was on the cross, when Jesus was crucified, 
He quoted Psalm 22. Because people will often say, well, well, why did Jesus say on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because it was foretold by David, the great king. Psalm 22 was considered by the rabbis, by the teachers, by the leaders. Psalm 22 was a messianic psalm. It referred to the Messiah. And when you read through the entire psalm, Psalm 22, it talks about how they would look upon him and how they would wag their, their heads and their, and their tongues and their fists and also how they would divide up his clothing by casting lots. All that took place when Jesus was on the cross. Jesus fulfilled Psalm 22 and he quoted it while on the cross. They were looking for a conquering king and he came as a suffering servant as described in the prophet Isaiah. And so he comes the second time as the conquering king. Now let's move on to, to the third point. The Lord is a shelter for his people. Joel 3, 16 through 21. The Lord also will roar from Zion. Notice that? He said, I have set my holy king on the hill, the holy hill of Zion. The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then Jerusalem shall be holy, and no alien shall ever pass through her again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drip with new wine, the hills shall flow with milk, and all the brooks of Judah shall be flooded with water. A fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Acacias. The Lord is a shelter for his people. And then here in verse 14, multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. And oftentimes that's referred to or, or interpreted as, as, as people making a decision, trying to make a decision whether or not to accept the Lord or not. And actually it doesn't refer to that. It refers to the verdict. And the verdict is that God is bringing judgment upon the nations of the world because of their treatment of Israel and because of their rejection of Him. There are going to be geological and cosmic calamities, catastrophes, catastrophic events. People are going to be filled with terror during the time of the tribulation. But Israel is protected. And when it looks like Israel is going to be defeated, the Lord returns and delivers Israel and destroys these nations. And the Bible says that the blood from those who are destroyed is, is going to run from one end of Israel, from the south up to the north. And the birds, the wild fowl, fowl of the air will come and will feast upon their carcasses. Imagine that. Try explaining that to people. 
And God dwells with his people. He is the comfort, the blessing, the provision, and the joy of Israel. So what do we learn from these passages? We've just, we've just basically skipped, you know, the surface, if you will. First of all, events are unfolding even as we speak. Do you know that there, there are groups all around the world that seek to boycott, they, they, they boycott Israel? I just learned this morning that another one that, that now doesn't want their products going to Israel and going to boycott Ben and Jerry's ice cream. It's happening all around. Wake up. Don't be a part of that. We're to keep watch as these events affect Israel because they affect us as well. Why do we study these things? We study them to be knowledgeable, but more than that, we study them so that we can share the message with others. See, we're to sow the seeds of love and righteousness. We're to sow the seeds of the gospel. We are to sow truth. We are to be more committed to the Lord Jesus Christ than anyone or anything else. And we are to share the message and to do so accurately. We are to sound the alarm. War is coming. And it is a spiritual as well as a physical war. Give your heart, your life, and your future to the Lord Jesus Christ today. Be forgiven. Be restored. Be saved. We learned in that lesson today in Sunday school the futility of things. So many people live for things. They live for temporal pleasure. For everything that they can, they can amass. And I like what, uh, what uh, Solomon, you know, he, he thought about this. He said, well, and what about this, you know, you, you, you build something, then you pass away and you leave it to some knucklehead who then does what with it? Wastes it. But I also like what the Ray um, shared with us this morning. He said, well, but you know what? He said, there's also a positive. He said, because, you know, I learned to play the trumpet and I had a great teacher and, and he passed it on and, and, and I'm passing on to students he speaking of himself. And, and pray that they will pass it on to others. Well, what do we have to pass on to others? The message of God's love. The message of God's hope. The message of God's truth, yes. We as Christians, those of us who know the Lord as Savior, man, we have a tremendous future awaiting us. Eternity with the Lord. But what of those who do not know the Lord and have given themselves wholly over to the lie that if you get enough stuff, you know, then your life will be content. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior. Today is the day of salvation. Give your heart to Him. Or maybe you're thinking that you, you know, you have to have all of this stuff 
to make life meaningful. No. You need Christ in your life. And you need to stand for the truth. And you need to be one who shares the truth in love, but also with conviction. Let's stand, please. We're going to sing. You come. You make your decision for the Lord today. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.